Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Fabrizio Romano said, here we go with Christoph Freund. Ah, that's aged terribly. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in a virtual room full of lions. We have Ollie, we have Chris, and this week, Antonio Rudiger, he's not joining us, but he revealed he had been living in his new home for just a few hours, having a lovely barbecue with his family when Carlo Ancelotti invited himself over and joined in for some food. So, guys, with that, if you could invite anyone from the world of football over for a barbecue, who are you choosing? Hang on, hang on. Can we make it, instead of inviting them over, could we make it they just turn up? Yeah, why not? Uninvited. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably how it would work, yeah. Because I'm going to go with Diego Costa. Brilliant. I was thinking someone would choose that. (laughs) Because all he's going to do is come in, fuck around, flirt with your wife, and then he's gone. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's exactly what you want. Exactly what you want. He's got like the drunk uncle vibes that a barbecue needs. (laughs) Chris, who who would you pick off? That's a big one to, uh, to top. That is, that is a massive one to touch. Do you know what? I think I would go with Eden Hazard. He just seems so laid back and like he'd just go with anything that you wanted to do. He'd, he'd look like he enjoyed it, especially in the off season. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. If it was in the <laughs> summer, he'd definitely be there. Turns up, does the washing up for you and gets injured. And you'd be like, oh, no. Oh, no, I've done it. What, what have we done? No, his yeah. ankle again. <laughs> that plate was so heavy. Oh. Yeah, I, I kind of went with Mario Balotelli because who else? You know, we oh. we, sh- we share a birthday, so I'm thinking, you know, it's he's gonna, gonna be... just like he's gonna turn up, say your food <laughs> shit, break your window. <laughs> well, look, it would probably be a British summer day, so it's that naturally means it's gonna piss down. But he, he he's gonna come around mine for a birthday get together. You know, we can we can rip our tops off like you're a 2012, uh, share a few drinks. Enjoy some good food. I, You've I'm cooking. Gotta both do the pose. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'll, I'll be like, <laughs> look at me. I've been, I've been working out this this past year, and you know, we we finish it off with a firework display in my bathroom, where obviously I get to then use my brand new fire extinguisher that I got as a birthday present off him. So, <laughs> be a, be a, what a what a night, Comes what a day, circle, like what exactly. a day. Yeah. Oh man, we'd never forget it. We'd never forget it. Uh, as always, though, we we kick off the show with another round of Who Is That Former Blue? And this former blue, he played 194 games for Chelsea after coming through the Chelsea Academy. He was sold to a fellow Premier League side for £2 million. He made his international debut against Brazil in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. And he has played with Gary Cahill, Stan Collymore and Vinnie Jones. So a nice variety of time there what <laughs> yeah it's very what you get gary k and you're like this is going to be stan you're like uh vinny what the fuck yeah any ideas absolutely no clue <laughs> absolutely not a scooby evil laugh 
No, I, oh. no. To be fair, the people he's played with has really thrown me off. <laughs> they're they're. Br- I'll tell you one thing. When I looked up, I think he has also played with Matthias Pogba, and no one seems to have remembered who he was till recently. So, yeah, oh dear. yeah. I big big oh dear. But right, it's it's time though to uh, head to the newsroom. So the latest is at Stamford Bridge. So grab yourself that refreshing drink as we, we're going to check out. You could grab yourself some chicken and chips because I know someone who's li- who's on here right now is enjoying that. No, aren't you, Ollie? Tasty. <laughs> so we're going to see what you missed in our weekly roundup in the Elevator of Chelsea News. Steve Atkins, Director of Communications and Public Affairs, will be leaving Chelsea to take up the role of Chief Communications Officer with McLaren. Dennis Sakara has revealed that he didn't know a move to Chelsea was possible until six hours before the end of the transfer window. Ramirez got a new tattoo of his iconic goal versus Barcelona. Chelsea are to be handed a huge unpaid tax bill next month after inspectors finally unravelled the full extent of liabilities left under Rona Brambich's ownership. Chelsea received £145.6 million from TV distribution last season. RB Salzburg confirmed Christoph Freund will remain at the club. And finally, in the news, Christian Pulisic is 24 years old and he has written an autobiography. 24 years old. Autobiography. What's the point? Bloody hell. I mean, it's a quarter biography. I mean, if I did a book at that age, it'd just be the most boring two pages ever put to print. That's that's the same. Honestly, that's the same age as me now. If I came out with with an autobiography tomorrow, even if I was a relatively notable person, people would be like, it's a bit early. I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. I, don't, I just don't get it. I also realised I, for some reason, pronounced Zakaria as Zakara. I don't know why I did that. But is there anything particularly from that, guys? You wanna, you wanna open and have a look at before we head to the the main topic of this week? Because uh, or anything else? Anything? I, I, I was gonna say, um, it showed in his book. That he wasn't the biggest fan of Tuchel, didn't he? Oh, I don't know. Um, Glowing, he'll get a five star review off Amazon from uh, uh, Tuchel. I think I think that's pretty poor form while you're still employed by a club to to uh, to slag off the the previous manager. Um, it's not very good. It's not it? the best form, and it goes back to what I, I keep saying about Pulisic: is his attitude sucks, and this is the sort of thing that he does. And then he just he's got. He's got like a, a a parade of quite loyal American fans on Twitter, and that's okay. But they don't acknowledge stuff like this, and they don't acknowledge that. Well, you know, or they say it's okay because he was mistreated by Tuchel, and it's just like it's not. I don't know. It do, it doesn't wash with me. Doesn't feel right. I he's got injured again, by the way, on international duty this week. The thing that gets me with Pulisic or any player, actually any player. Writing an autobiography at that age just feels a little bit strange because your career is still pretty much ongoing. What's it called? The treatment table. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) The thing is, I mean... What it's like to be made of glass by (laughs) Christian Trilizic. I'd love a a podcast interview where they interview a current player, be it mainly NFL. That's kind of, you know. But that's all right because it's usually an hour, an hour and a half, and it's, it's pretty good. But a whole book, you know, after a player's retired, yeah, I want to be reading this. But 
am I inclined to buy a copy and read a player that's still ongoing who's 24? Not really. I'm I'm honestly not. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? I I, I don't like players writing books when they're still playing. I, I, yeah, I don't with, think really it's something that should be done. It's just, you're opening yourself up to criticism. And I think that's the issue. I think players should just play and then you've got time after you retire to do all that sort of stuff. That's mm. the thing. I think I think too much, and certainly in Pulisic's case, you've he should really let his football do the talking. And until now, it's fair enough. He's needed an outlet for that because he's been frustrated because he hasn't been allowed to let his football do the talking. Now's your opportunity. Don't go writing books. Don't bother with that. Don't have your dad spouting off on Twitter. Just do your job. Mm. I mean, Roy Keane did one in 2002 infamously and I still haven't read that book. I've got it in the house. It's not mine. I bought it. Does anyone else do that? You've got you've got books in your house that you just haven't read. I just have a library. You've got a you've got a big, great, big, long pile and list, and you'll never get there. You'll never finish it. That's okay. I've got my like my bookcase. We've got books in there. It's 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 like a mini library, and it's you know. I do I go in there to read? No, I go in there have my wine in my one hand and count my money. Uh, that... <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not that. <laughs> a posh. cigar not that on yeah. and a maroon satin <laughs> bathroom. Oh, you've got that's the whole. You got to. The second we get those sponsorship coming in, it's Woo! over, folks. It's over. <laughs> oh man! Right, this episode though, we're going to be deep diving into yet another cult hero from Chelsea's past. Last time it was Joe Cole, but this time we look at a player who was once the world's most expensive footballer. He held that title for 11 days. Um, Luis Figo chose to dare and switch from Barcelona to Real Madrid. So today we're going to be walking down memory lane with Hernan Crespo. So, Ooh. oh, it's, it's a good one. This is going to be a good one. So how about we do a quick history of the great forward? Well, he started his career at River Plate before moving to Parma after he won silver with Argentina at the 1996 Olympic Games. And he was part of the iconic Parma team that we all know featured the names of Buffon, Taram, Chiesa, Cannavaro and Varane. So many more that won the UEFA Cup in 1999. And then obviously came that record, world record move to Lazio during a time where Lazio as a club, their club president Sergio Cragnotti was lavishly spending money and, and making debt. On the team, and it featured stars. You know, you had Pavel Nedved, Diego Simeone, Alessandro Nesta, Fabrizio Ravanelli, Marcelo Salas, and Veron again. Uh, that's just to name a few of them. You know, many of them ended up obviously being sold to cover the club's debt and the costs. But Crespo's time at Lazio, it, it just showcased his underappreciated talent of, you know, controlling and the offensive line. You know, playing as a second striker, he, he had fellow Argentinian Claudio Lopez next to him and his time in Rome was obviously mixed due to suffering injury but still managing to be Serie A's top goal scorer in 2000-2001 season with 26 and I've got a question coming up for you guys but first during these early noughties years on the international scene he was also the top scorer for Argentina with nine goals as they topped the South American 2002 qualifying group for the World Cup and Unfortunately, Batistuta was again preferred to Crespo's Argentina's starting centre forward at that World Cup. But hey, he appeared as a substitute in all three group matches, including the final match against Sweden, when um, you know Argentina needed to win in order to qualify for the second round. 
Crespo scored an 88th minute equaliser, but it weren't enough and they were eliminated. He moves to Inter after the World Cup concluded, replacing the Real Madrid bound Ronaldo. Big shoes to fill them. Injury hits him whilst at Inter. Then this is where we've got two listeners. We're his big move to Chelsea. And he battled with Hasselbank for the starting spot. And he, he always showed his ability. So, guys, we've to get that, got all that out of the way. When you cast your minds back to him being one of our first marquee signings of that Roman era, what what was the buzz like for you? Uh, do you know what? I was actually really excited by his signing. And I think he's another one of them players who almost had too much of an expectation that he wasn't going to live up to. Because like you said, like he'd had... Uh, a relatively underwhelming time at Inter before we signed him. Um, but he was a real hot prospect in his early days. And I think people almost, like we do with a lot of our strikers, actually, we almost expect them to come in and be, you know, 30, 40 goals a season. And it, when it doesn't happen, then we like to label them a flop. And I, I, I think he was another one who suffered a bit from that. Um, I remember he scored a really good goal, though, away against Wolves, I think it was. Yeah, and I remember that one. Yeah, I, that's, I re- that, that's really my earliest memory of him, I think, that, that goal against I, Wolves. Uh, yeah, so he was one of the first players I ever actually saw play for Chelsea on telly because that, that's that's how much of a baby I am, listeners. Um <laughs> And I remember he is a player who, to me, he he's the sort of player who would get absolutely slaughtered online today. Um, yeah. You know, because people say, you know, he's not, I don't know, he's not this or he's not that. But I always, uh, maybe in rose-tinted glasses because I was a kid, but I always thought he was a brilliant player. You know, um, one thing I, you know, one thing that he, you could say that he has that none of our forwards currently have is he he didn't mind hitting a ball first time. You know, the ball would come across to him and he'd either be in a position to tap it in or, you know, or he just wallop one or on the volley. You know, he scored quite a few on the volley, I think, for us. Oh, he yeah. Scored something yeah. like 25 goals or something for us. Fair few of them were volleys. And I don't know, he, he had that sort of ability, that sort of, I don't know, to me, there was almost like a form of confidence and a, in the best possible way, like an arrogance about him. Um, mm. A bit like we would see later with Diego Costa with, with greater effect. Um, he always reminded me. I don't know. Is you know, South America makes the best strikers. You could argue, um, and you know, he, the fact that he isn't even on in like you know the top twenty probably is is actually you know it's a testament to South America and a testament to him because he's a he's a very good player. Well, what about yourself, Chris? That buzz and uh, I mean, when when we signed it, um, him amongst all the other signings, did you think? You know what? We're actually going to be flying in this league now with this backing and this money and everything. Yeah, because I think it was the, I think we were the sort of first club to go and sign that many sort of names in one transfer window. I think before that, you know, your, your Man United and your Arsenal's, they'd, they'd sign one and it'd be whoever was the best player in the league normally. The season Man United before, did it a few then, times, didn't they? they? Where they signed about four or five back in like the yeah. 2000s. 
Yeah, but there was normally Premier League players, wasn't there, that, that they That's tended true, to yeah. go for. Yeah, I think we we was the sort of one of the first clubs to go and splurge money abroad and think. And you thought this is really the start of something. Um, and it was, as it turned out. But I think he was one of them signings where you've really seen the pull of the new regime. Like I, I don't think it's a signing we could have made before that, before the before the Roman money. It felt um, like a Rubinho, like you know, to use a, an example for later. It was like a Rubinho signing. Yeah, like someone yeah, you know, like a big name player who's brought into a like a, a a project that proves that the club's got ambition. Exactly, exactly that. Yeah, I mean that that summer was absolutely huge. I mean, we had Crespo; he was our big money signing. But you had Damien Duff, you had Veron again. <laughs> I mean, them two seem to team third, up quite a lot. Third time in in we got a random mention of Veron three yeah, times. Yeah, it's not what you expect. <laughs> and obviously Claude Makaleli, you had Adrian Mutu, who I I still I really like. I thought he was a very good striker. Obviously, we know what happened afterwards. But you also had Wayne Bridge, Jeremy, Joe Cole, Glenn Johnson. There was some it was a, it was a Can a I just say the summer that when you consider how many signings we made that summer, almost all of them turned out to be really good players for us. A lot of them were. Like if if you had that kind of window and you bought the same sort of caliber of player in every player, that'd be a three hundred million window. Easily. Yeah, easily. I know when the Athletic did a recent article on like inflation, I think it was I think Damien Duff is one of the most expensive players. Obviously, Crespo would be more because obviously he cost a bit yeah. more. But that that window in today's money was is a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I can't remember the exact amount, but it was definitely not north of five hundred million. Yeah, that's I, mad. Absolutely, absolutely maddening stuff. It, it it's it's kind of sad in a sense to see what has happened with the inflation because it kind of robs it robs some teams of you know of being able to get better players or more players or because you know any hot prospect is. 40 million, 50 million straight away. It's mm. like, it's the cost we've seen for like being toted for like Conor Gallagher. And we all know he's not worth that as a oh, player, yeah, but he is yeah. worth that for Chelsea. So, and you know, if someone like Palace or whatever wanted to come in for him, that's what they'd have to pay. And that's just maddening that, you know, that you could get Crespo and Duff and Cole and Johnson and all of these players back in the day. And and now you, you couldn't even get a fraction of that. No. I mean, no. I think it's why, like, with the Newcastle thing, wasn't it? When Newcastle got took over, everyone thought they was going to have a window like that. And then it, you think, well, it's not it's not doable anymore. You mm. can't sign that many good players. They've and, done well, yeah, though. Not make your club bankrupt. Yeah. I think they've done they've done really, really well, though, with their signings. I don't think they've had... A, they've only had hits so far, I think. Yeah. I mean... You know, Isaac Gamerish, Trippier... Mm. Maybe um, what's his face in midfield? Can't remember from Bournemouth. Uh, Don't remember his name, but he, he maybe him maybe not. But you've got the likes of you know Gimerish and all of that. You know, like that's you know. And what did Isaac cost? Wasn't he like his release cost was like sixty five? Yeah, million, they got just like under that. that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah sixty odd. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At, at Chelsea, good price for him, really. At Chelsea, Crespo's first season under Ranieri. 
you know, he returned 10 in 19, which which is quite something when compared to our forwards of today. I mean, I actually did, think that's really good. It is really good. It's it's just under, it's just over one in every other game. Yeah, one that's, in two. Yeah. That's, just that's, under like, one in two. that's like William numbers, that is. That's world class for us. <laughs> that's, that's Ballon d'Or, several Ballon d'Ors. You know, he, he did move, obviously, to AC Milan on loan when Mourinho first came in, and everyone remembers Crespo's part in the miracle of Istanbul. But, you know, two goals and his, his second that quick run between the centre-backs and then the chip over Dudek. Oh. It's it's actually... First you know, time. That's what I mean, hitting it first time, even, yeah, even like that. It's who, so who underrated, that goal. That? Who even no. tries that? The audacity. You know, and hey, I've got to bring up favourite player of all time, Kaka. That, that assist is beautiful obviously they yeah, didn't win yes. the champions league which you know a bit of a shame but he did return to chelsea and he did play under Mourinho during 0506 and that was you know the end of the day some will say he flopped now let's get one thing straight hernan crespo did not flop at chelsea i thought wow. he made a really good um partnership with Drogba actually exactly you know i remember august of 2005 the opening day of the season so vividly yeah you know, nil-nil, we're, we're dropping points until Crespo against comes Wigan. on. Against Wigan. That, against, against they've Wigan, just, yeah. bit, they just promoted Wigan and we're dropping points. And Didier Drogba, he, he's wrestled for possession. Crespo's found himself with the ball 20 yards from goal and he moves the ball onto his weaker foot, directs his shot beyond Mike Pollitt into the top right-hand corner. Uh, it's it's out, goal. outstanding, outstanding way to announce yourself in the first day of the season. What pl- what player in our squad can do that currently? Ziyech, maybe. Re- yeah. Really? Yeah. Prob- he could he could he could bang it top top corner like that. Kalidou Kulabali, I'd be convinced. Reese James him. could probably do it. Yes, Reese James. 100%. That's it. Yeah, oh, I missed that team. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they, that's the beauty of court heroes. We can reminisce, we're and then we it. have to come back to reality from our time machine and cry into our uh, and then we, Chelsea, and then we have to remember Chelsea Lukaku. merchandise. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, what are your what are some of your memories though of Crespo at Stamford Bridge or at Chelsea? Uh, his left footed volley against Liverpool at home where he'd just been yep. off the pitch getting, getting treatment and then the referee allowed him to come back on and we hit the ball on a diagonal and he volleyed it far corner on his weaker foot. It was an unbelievable finish. And do you know what? That's what he did that season. He were, he really played his part in the team. It, he reminds me actually a bit of, of Torres, like in terms yeah. of people say he's a flop, but he actually just sort of changed his game. He wasn't, the the big goal scorer anymore. He he just did a job for the team, and that's a bit what like what Torres did. You know, he he developed into a good a good player for the team without mm. getting the numbers that he had got before. And I thought Crespo did that because you know we had Drogba, who the, obviously the team relied on for. He was our main goal scorer. Um, you know, and then you had Lampard as well, obviously. Yeah. So. Crespo just did a really good job for the team, but it scored some really important goals. Mm. Oh, he yeah, was 100%. in the right place at the right time as well. You know, like he was always there for a tap in a lot of the time. Like you, you, I remember I watched, uh, I was watching a few of his goals, you know, just to reminisce a little bit before he came on tonight. And so often, yeah, there's like a diagonal ball on the ground that flashes across the box, and who's there? It's Crespo. Like, mm, yeah, yeah. Like, 
a lot of the goals he scored, he was in and around the box. He was a real poacher. And, um, and you know, and that's what we need now. And, <laughs> and we don't have it. I mean, I remember his lovely goal against Arsenal back in 2003 at Highbury. You can see why I quickly added at Chelsea because that, that goal wasn't at Stamford Bridge. Um, Highbury, I also thought that stadium, what an iconic stadium as well. And it's now flats. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Very expensive as well. Don't, don't Google the prices, listeners. You will not be able to afford it for sure. Not um, no one can. No one can physically afford those prices. Uh, but he, he seemed to score some genuine, beautiful goals for us. And I, I feel he's, he, he, he's, it's a big statement of me to say, but he's one of the most underrated forwards in our history. You know, everyone knows that photo of him holding the league winner's medal in the dressing room. It's iconic. iconic that photo. It's iconic imagery from our history. Yep. You know, I could have that up on our our non-existent studio wall and be proud of that image. You know, Crespo yep. even yep. said of that day he cried after the game when we won the league because he'd spent uh, yeah. too little time at Chelsea. And he, if I want to have another life, so I could spend more time there. He, he was life. he was like the manifestation of what that early early Abramovich era was like mm. where you know the, the big money signing who comes in and just everything like everything just falls into place more or less immediately yeah I, you I know, mean it, you can't get much better than that yeah I mean whilst at Chelsea his family of course did experience a truly horrific tragedy when they lost two children and that that clearly impacted him and, and his family so so dramatically and it's a shame that his time in at Chelsea isn't all, all, you know, happy and a great memory because I'm sure that, that that, as it would anyone, is so heavy to be, to have just gone through. And it's such a shame for him, for anyone that would have had to have gone through such horrific, just, just a horrific tragedy in their life. He He obviously moves back to Italy afterwards and he wins three back-to-back titles under... Roberto Mancini and then Mourinho again at Inter. He he moves to Gen- Genoa and then he ends his career at Parma, which is quite nice. Um, well, how do you think he would be remembered? His career as a le- his legacy. What do you think it is? I think people probably remember him as a as a decent poacher. Uh, you know, like um, if if you're going to take all the emotion out of it, which is hard to do. Um, you know, you'd say he's he was he was a pretty good poacher who did a job. Mm. Um, but you know, you can't really separate the emotion from these things. You know, like him coming to Chelsea coincides with our first title since the fifties. You know, how you know, how could you possibly, how could you possibly you know take the emotion out of it for that? And I I, I hope he he's he's one of those players who you always remember and and you always, only Chelsea fans will ever remember him. Let's put it that way. But mm. the memories are fond. Chris? Yeah, I think he'll be one of those sort of forgotten players, unfortunately, who only people from a certain generation will remember. Um, I think any Chelsea fan who was old enough to remember those that, that 2003 when we signed him and the subsequent 0506 season. Anyone who's old enough to remember that will always remember him fondly. Um, but I don't think like the younger generations will really find out about him, if if you know what I mean. I, I don't yeah. think he'll yeah, be remembered well, I, in remembered in that way. He didn't way. have the biggest numbers and he 
he didn't have the biggest impact, did he? You know, like, it's not like no. you're someone where even people who didn't watch him play, like I didn't watch him play because, you know, I was very, very young at the time. Yeah. Someone I'm... like Zola or someone like Desai, you know, how, I knew yeah. how much they mattered to the team. Crespo's like a tier below. Yeah. I mean, his numbers, yeah. goal scoring figures are actually qu- quite something. I mean, for the Argentinian Olympic team, he got six and six. For the Argentina national team, he got 35 and 64. And then you look at his Serie A total, 153 and 340. Champions League, 25 and 65. Premier League, 20 and 49. In the Italian Cup, 21 and 35. In the Coppa Libertadores, 12 and 16. UEFA Cup, 9 and 12. Uh, overall, his totals throughout his career was 248 in 540. That's pretty you know, outstanding. That's yeah, good. Yeah, and you know what? Like 20 Premier League goals in 49 appearances is actually really good. Yeah, like, 100%. If you told me Diego Costa got that in his like first 49 games for Chelsea, I'd be like, yeah. Like, yeah I would believe yeah. that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because like when you think about it as well, like, a lot of those 49 appearances probably was off the bench. So mm. when you when you lowered that when you lower those appearances to starts, I bet his numbers exactly. are even better. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know if they have the like the per ninety stats that go back that far, but that would be that would be it an would interesting be interesting. Thing. I I mean, yeah. I, I will close this court hero segment with with this: if Hernan Crespo had once been the most expensive player in the world on account of his inspired artistry as a forward, he was arguably more valuable in his veteran years, a a priceless talismanic player, even as he aged and turned from gold into quicksilver. You know, the legacy of Hernan Crespo to me is that he's one of Argentina's and Serie A's finest ever goal scorers. So before we, we sign off, we're going to f- take time to find out who is that former blue. So at the start, I said this former blue, 194 games for Chelsea after coming through the academy. Sold to a fellow Premier League side for just two million. Um, made his international debut against Brazil in that CONCACAF Gold Cup and played with Gary Cahill, Stan Collymore and Vinnie Jones. Now, I'll give you the clubs. He played with Vinnie Jones at Chelsea, so that might help narrow that. He played with Stan Collymore at Leicester. And he played, I've got to put it up with Gary Cahill because I'm pretty sure I've wrote down the wrong club. <laughs> and I... Don't want to do that. It, Burnley. It was at Burnley. So I was right. Oh, oh Jesus. Matthias Pogba, if you want a joke around here, it was, he played with him at Wrexham. So Chelsea, Leicester and Burnley. He's 50 years old now. So his career project pro- progress was Chelsea, West Brom on loan. Then he returned. Then he moves to, che- to Leicester then to Burnley, then on loan to Huddersfield, then permanently to Huddersfield, then to Lincoln, then to Wickham on loan, then to Wrexham, then to Hendon, then to Colwyn Bay and finishes up at Brackley Town. What's confused me is you said he he was in the... He he did something in the CONCACAF. He made his debut against Brazil in the CONCACAF World Cup, yeah. CONCACAF so, Gold Cup. It tells us two things, is that he's not Brazilian. <laughs> that is true. And, yeah, and, yeah. He's from, and he's from the Americas somewhere. Yep. But I was originally inclined to say Gus Poyet, but he had a much better career than that. He definitely didn't finish at Brackley Town. No. <laughs> and he probably uh, didn't play with Vinnie, Vinnie Jones in like the 80s or whatever it was. No, no. Uh, I'll, he 
represented Jamaica at international level. No, it's no bells, unfortunately. No? Oh, he's the current yeah. assistant manager at Doncaster Rovers. That's oh, not that going to help me at all. That, that I couldn't down. even tell you. I can't tell you who the manager of Doncaster Rovers is, let alone the assistant. I, I couldn't tell you who any manager for Doncaster Rovers was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what Wikipedia is saying. He's the current... Gary McSheffrey is the current manager of uh, Doncaster Rovers. Oh. So there's something. I do know who that is. Gary, yeah, Gary McSheffrey. Yeah. Um, so look, I didn't think he was at um, Doncaster, but Wikipedia says it, so it's got to be true. It's got to be true, hasn't it? Um, no, it put us oh, out of our misery, Mikey. Tell us who it is. Okay. Um, it is Frank Sinclair. Oh. So, no, who? no. What? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I'm some, a baby. I'm young. Someone going to have to uh, give some Ollie some uh, Frank Sinclair related material. So he, educate uh, me on Twitter. Educate him. Course. Yeah, right. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of At the Bridge Pod, and it's still international break. So we're we're, we're planning to do something Monday together. Um, Ollie's come up with a really good idea. <laughs> so it's going to be a, a more laid back sort of enjoyable episode and we'll probably catch up on whatever news drops over the next two days hopefully nothing hmrc related with the club <laughs> hopefully not but you never know with chelsea it's 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 a chelsea thing isn't it was that every... one thing conte said you know one normal day in the premier one normal day happen. of barclays <laughs> one normal day oh man right so till monday listeners that'll be us signing off You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.